This is an RNZ podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Money with me, Mary Holm. Thanks for taking just a few minutes to listen in while Jesse Mulligan and I talk through some useful ideas about how to make your money work better for you. Just remember though, this is guidance. Final decisions are up to you. Over to Jesse. Mary Holm, hello. Hello, Jesse. You would have watched a couple of Sale of the Centuries in your time. A few? Yeah. Yeah. I've never been a big TV watcher, I have to say. Really? Yeah. yeah. One of those. Yeah, sorry. Reading Dostoevsky <laughs> instead. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> or writing your own books. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. Um, nice to have you in. Great Thank topic today you. as well. In fact, before we get to KiwiSaver for non-employees, you've got some new research on KiwiSaver. Yeah, the Financial Markets Authority released some research today about people st- switching from one KiwiSaver fund to another during when during the COVID crash. Do we call it a crash? Oh, the, yeah. the big stock I, downturn. Yes, I forgot yeah. all about that. Yeah, yeah. There were there were quite a few people. Um, I was furiously saying to everybody who read my column and in here talking to your listeners, yeah, hey, don't don't move, don't, 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 do don't, move, don't do it. But um, so, so the FMA got got some research done on on how many people did do it. They they looked at the um, data for I think about the providers that cover about half the KiwiSaver members mm-hmm. in the country, um, and they found that from February to April last year, the fund the number of switches of funds was about three times higher than usual. But in March, it was more than that. I think it was about six or something times higher than usual in March. People panicked and switched. Um, And the ones who switched most, the most likely to switch, were those aged 26 to 35. So it was the young ones who perhaps aren't listening to you and me and aren't reading my column. Look, nah. <laughs> Hard to believe there'd be anybody who didn't rush to the letterbox each Saturday and get your column it out. It is like hard to believe. It is hard to believe. Um, but, yeah, but, that's a shame because, as you've yes. explained many times, by switching they would have locked in their losses and then not yes. gotten the gains when it came back yeah, up again. Yeah, that's right. They got Some of them did switch out and then switch back again, but, you know, switch back up again, before the markets recovered too much, so they didn't lose too much. But most of them just switched to lower risk and stayed there. And they actually interviewed three people and wrote up those interviews, and and, and they were saying, people who had switched, and they were saying they just saw their account balances going down and just panicked, you know, um, God, I've got to stop this. And the way to stop it is to switch to a lower risk fund. The trouble is by the time people get motivated enough to do a a move like that, it's already gone down a lot. And and that's what happened. And then people tend to stay in that lower risk and miss the recovery, which, you know, was remarkably quick Mm. last year. So um, it was the younger ones that tended to do it more. 71% of the switches were to lower-risk funds and 19% were to higher-risk funds, and that's interesting. There's also some more that just switched to the same risk. They must have been moving provider at the time. Mm. But 19%, so nearly one in five of those who switched, moved to higher risk at the time, which is interesting. They're the the contrarian investors, the people who saw the... Markets going down, and thought, "Gosh, I want to get in while while basically shares are cheap because in the higher risk funds there's a lot more shares." So there were 
quite a few people doing that. They, I'm surprised there's so many doing it. Yeah, they tended to be male and they tended to be young, which is all a bit predictable. Males tend to take more risk in investing because mm. it is a risky thing to do um, moving into into the share market when the market's gone down. Mm. Um but it's not a bad it's it's not a bad thing to do. It's much better than moving out of it. Um, although, as I've said, as, as I say many times, it's best just to not move at all. Mm-hmm. Just just stay put. But the another thing that was interesting about the research is that the banks, um, people who were in a bank-run KiwiSaver scheme, were much more likely to switch. And they put it down to probably the fact that they see their balances when they do their banking. Right. You know, you and I have talked about this before. And I mean, what's it? The the four worst words in the English language are "I told you so." But we have talked about the fact that when people on they like being able to when they're doing their banking to have a look at their KiwiSaver balance, and usually it's growing. especially if you're regularly contributing and then you're getting the market returns. And so that's all nice. But the trouble is when the markets go down, and we've talked about this before, when they go down and they open up just to do a bit of banking um, and find, and and probably the younger ones are more likely to do their banking online and all of that too, um, and see that their their KiwiSaver's lost a lot of thousands of dollars, um, they, they panic. Whereas people who are not in bank KiwiSaver schemes, pretty much all of them, I would say, can get access to their balance online, mm-hmm. but you're not doing not that. constantly monitoring. No, the way we are going in and out of our bank accounts online, most of us are doing that, you know, a few times a week. Mm. And so seeing that balance drop. So I don't know whether any of the banks um, let you not have the balance showing when you open your bank account. But, it, you know, I would urge the banks to do that, give people that choice, and I would urge take it out, to take, take it out of your online banking. Yes, mm. yeah. or, or make it something that you can c- click when you're in your online banking. You can click something to say, I want to see my KiwiSaver balance. Mm. But I gather that the balance is just kind of there, I think. Yeah. I haven't, I'm not in a bank KiwiSaver scheme, so I don't know, but are you? You're not no. either, are you? No, um, I think they just kind of see it when you, you know, when you ordinarily open your bank account mm. online, you see the balances and the different savings and check account, etc. Yeah. Um, so anyway, not, not really helpful in any way, is it? Well, not. I suppose it's encouraging when it usually goes up. You think, oh, good, you know, that's that's nice. <laughs> yeah. But um, the the the. You know, one of the themes that's coming through from the FMA reporting all of this is that it would be good if providers warned people before they switch because these days you can switch pretty readily with most of the providers, bank and others, just go online and say, I don't want to be in this fund anymore, I want to be in that fund, and off you go. Um, And the the FMA is saying, well, perhaps if if something comes up and says, are you sure you want to switch? Are you panicking? I remember when I cancelled my landline and I had to sign something that said, I I understand that if there's a medical emergency, I might not be able to call 111. I I understand that such and such. I understand that blah, blah, blah. And so it forces you to at least consider those things yes. before you click go. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it wouldn't be a bad idea to do that. Although one of the people that, the one of the three people that were interviewed for this research, she said that her provider did come up with, hey, are you sure you want to do this? And she, and it was a little questionnaire that she had to answer. Mm. She said she just ticked any old thing because she just, she decided she was going to switch yeah. and she was scared that the account was going down yeah. by the minute. Just and fair so enough. She it's just, hard to get sort of, um, 
calm, informed, nuanced advice yes. when something like that, global like that, is going down yeah. and, and maybe a friend says to you, oh, you've got to get out of shares. It's yes. Mm. And the media's reporting furiously, yeah. you know, at, as it has to. You know, they, that was another thing that was mentioned in this research, that it was all over the media. Well, the news media cannot just say, oh, well, we won't report that the share market's crashing because that might make people panic. You can't, <laughs> we, we can't have that. Mm-hmm. So... Um, but but so the the two, two final points about this one is that the worry that young people, well people of any age actually, have moved to a lower risk fund when during the COVID crash and they stayed there. The only really good reason to stay there is well, there's a couple. One is if you are buying, planning to buy a first home in the next um, five or ten years, really, it's a good idea to be in lower risk or if you're planning to spend it in retirement. Um, and, and finally, if you really have realised through all of this that you're just a person who's always going to panic if the markets go down, then you are better off to stay in low risk than to creep back up to high risk and then panic again because those people that panic are the ones that lose a whole lot of money mm. at the time. But but most people I would urge to you know have another think again and, and move back up to higher risk. And stay still there. using those terms, are they? High risk and low risk? Because we've talked oh. before about they're not particularly... Well, I suggested high and low volatility. At some yeah. Yeah. Some people do criticise those terms, high and low risk. The mm. trouble is once you start getting fancier, I think people might not understand yeah. as well. Okay. Um, I am, I do mean volatility rather than any other sort of risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to know what's the best language to use. Um, the only good good news out of all of it was that 96% of KiwiSaver members didn't switch. Oh, well, so that's for all, encouraging, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so for all that we've been talking about, yeah. the vast majority didn't switch. So, um, Which means that your no. your good word is spreading there. <laughs> Yours, you, you, with your help, Jesse. Yeah, yeah. It's, all, it's all us, isn't it? Yeah. So the second part of today's topic, <laughs> KiwiSaver for non-employees, and there'll be yes. lots of people listening that this, uh, that this applies to. Yeah, yes. Anyone who's not employed... Um, so that include I'm including here self-employed people and people who are out of the workforce for all kinds of reasons, at home doing unpaid work or for whatever reason. Um, dividing it up into into tips for people 18 to 65, and then we'll go to over 65s, and then we'll go to under 18s. But the 18 to 65 year olds, the main point at the moment is to make sure you've got. 1,042 into your account before June the 30th this year if you want to get the maximum government tax, government contribution, which is 521. So um, so you've got a, you know, a couple of weeks here to get it in. Um, a, a listener who wrote and said, said to me, hey, Mary, remember to mind, remind everyone to get it in before June 23rd. Now, I don't quite know where Alison it was, got the June 23rd from, but the point is you want to get it in a few days at least before June 30th because it could take the provider a little while to process things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so people need to try and remember to do that. And if you can't afford to put... 1,042 in, put in what you can afford. A lot of people still misunderstand this. They think that if they don't get 1,042 and they get nothing from the government, but in fact if they put 100 in, they'll get 50 from the government. If they put 10 in, they'll get 5 from the government. So just try and get something in there um, just because you might as well get free money from the government. Um, 
couple of other points about this. I had a person in my column recently really unhappy because she joined KiwiSaver, I think, in a June and put her 1,042 in and thought the government would then turn around and give her the 521. But in your first year in KiwiSaver, the maximum the government will give you is proportionate to how long in the July 1 to June 30 year you were in the scheme. So in that first year... If you if you join in um, at the beginning of April, you're only eligible for three April, May and June out of the whole year, so only eligible for a quarter of the maximum from the government. She was really upset because she'd put her $1,000 in, and I wrote back and said, hey, it doesn't matter that much. You've got $1,000 in KiwiSaver sitting there earning returns. Mm-hmm. It's not that terrible, you know. But, um, Disappointed. Yeah, she was disappointed. And the same thing applies to people turning 18 during that KiwiSaver mm-hmm. year or turning 65, you get in that year, your maximum government contribution is proportionate to how much of that year you were over, over 18 or under 65. Um, best to drip feed money in. So people who are in this, who are not employed, it's a really good idea. And I do this drip feed money in automatically because mm. um, I'm self employed. Yeah, yeah. $87 a month. Or, what was that, sorry? I said you're a goody, goody two shoes. I am a goody two shoes, absolutely. Not me. In this. Not me. Late June um, every year, me and my wife go into a massive flap about getting their $1,000 oh, in. Jesse, yeah, no, look, I'd be a goody two shoes about this. You're allowed to be naughty about other things. Um, <laughs> About $87 a month will we'll get it for you, yeah. or 100 a month of you. $20, $20 a week. There are three advantages into, of, of doing that, of setting it up with, with a regular contribution going. And one is that you don't forget it. Um, two is that you, it's easier for budgeting, so we're not like Jesse having to suddenly come up with $1,000. <laughs> no, it really know, hurts. Well, yeah, it's a lot of money, isn't it? I'm not going to get it till I turn 65. They are, but you're nearly there, you, told me the <laughs> you said the other day. Um, and um, the other thing is that it, it, it actually works better with, with market risk. The, the, with, the, with the markets going up and down, we've talked about this before, won't go into it today because there's not enough time, but it by drip feeding the same amount in regardless of what's happening in the markets you it, you end up better off employees get that anyway because it comes regularly out of their paychecks so for non employees you can do it by setting up a regular contribution um further saving whether if you're not an employee whether you should do further saving than 1042 a year into kiwi saver is up to you it's not a bad idea to do further saving elsewhere because then you can access that money whenever you want to. But if you want to tie the money up for retirement, by all means, put more in. People over 65, KiwiSaver is still a good place for retirement savings. You won't get the government contribution. You don't get compulsory employer contributions, although some employers, quite a lot of employers, still give it to you. If you turn 65 while you're in the job, it'd be a bit mean for them to turn around and say, I'm not going to give it to you anymore. Mm. Um, And I think people usually do. But it's a good place. The thing is, once you're over 65, you can get your money out whenever you want to. There are problems with withdrawing money from some providers, I've heard. You get it out, but it might take you know, several days or possibly even longer. Somebody said to me the other day, look, Mary, you're telling everybody over 65, stick your money into KiwiSaver and you can get it out whenever you want, and it can take quite a while. If your provider's not making it easy for you to get money out, I would suggest you talk to them, and if they don't put it right, switch providers. Yeah, but it's, um, a, it's a bit of a bummer if you... Um 
you have a major car, um, piece of car work that needs doing, it's going to cost you a couple of thousand bucks yeah. and, and it takes a week or two to get your money yes. out, right? It's not yeah. that convenient. No, that's right. So, but I don't, I'm sure not all the providers are that are that bad, you know. You probably, you're not going to get the money out straight away, but it should only take a day or two. And for that matter, you know, you can always be pulling some out of KiwiSaver into an ordinary bank account, you know, $1,000 a month or whatever you like to have it sitting there so it is readily accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, you can set that up. So it is a good place for retirement savings because the government's watching it closely and um, you can put short-term money in low-risk and longer-term money in a higher-risk KiwiSaver fund and run it like that. We've got an email yeah. on this topic, actually. Beth says, Hi, Jesse, I'm interested in hearing from Mary regarding KiwiSaver for the retired. The super is my main income, and my contributions to KiwiSaver stopped automatically when I retired in May this year. Should I continue to contribute from my super... And if so, do I set that up by contacting Wins? That's from Beth. Yes. Now, Beth, she's one of these remarkable people who seems to be able to save out of New Zealand super. Mm. I, there are, you know, quite a few people around like that, which is pretty incredible yeah. because it's not a lot of money. But, um, Beth, no, don't contact... If you contact Wins, they wouldn't be able to do that for you. They just quite simply just pay all the money into mm. your bank account. But you can just set up an automatic transfer from your bank account into your KiwiSaver. Contact your KiwiSaver provider and ask them to do it. You could do it. Your your, um, super's coming in fortnightly, so you could set it up to come a day or two after the super comes comes in automatically going out of your bank account into KiwiSaver if you want to. Um, There's there's no reason not to do that. but don't be too mean on yourself, Beth. Um, you know, some people in early retirement are saving too much, and then later in retirement they wish they'd spent a bit more. Mm-hmm. I'd say if, you, if, if soup is your only income, you might want to just be enjoying it. Um, yeah. Look, it depends on whose circumstances, doesn't it? Oh, I think that's um, good advice. Yeah. Under-18s, can we quickly have a look at them? Yeah, of course. Yeah. They... Um, KiwiSaver isn't, you know, as good for under-18s because you don't get government contributions until you're 18 and you don't get compulsory employer contributions, but um, some employers do contribute anyway Mm. to the young ones who are doing... It'll only be part-time work for the most part, for most people under 18. Um, And But the thing is also it gets the kids... gives the kids a bit of a savings habit, especially if the parents talk to them about what's happening and show the balance growing and gives them a chance to learn a bit about investing, um, especially if you put it into a bit of a higher risk fund so it's a bit more volatile and they learn about the markets going up and down so that they don't, when the markets crash, join the other young people who who bailed out last... or or bailed downwards under COVID... Um, I would say for the young people, you want to talk to them about um, home ownership rather than talking to them about KiwiSaver being used for retirement because it's too distant. Yeah, but is. home ownership is something that kids can at least understand what it, what it means. Um, and, and just one more tip on that. When, when your young one turns 18, quite often they're um, students or in training or in one way or another not they're not employees or they're, or they're only part-time employees, but don't forget that they are eligible for the government tax, government contribution by then. So it's kind of a neat thing for parents at that point to try and help the kids to get 
1,042 into their KiwiSaver account each year from then on, so they'll get government money. It's, you know, rather than helping the kids with their KiwiSaver when they're littler, if you haven't got that much money, save it up and do it from when they're 18 to when they're actually in the full-time workforce mm-hmm. is, is a more powerful thing to do. Yeah. Do you want to do some quick fire? Sure. Yep. How do you pay into your KiwiSaver and you don't have automatic payments set up, asks Polly. Yeah, well, good question, Polly. Just get in touch with the KiwiSaver provider. That's, you know, it might be her bank or it might be another um, financial company. If she doesn't know who her provider is, have a look at the any communications you've had with from them and it'll tell you um, the name of the company. Email them, phone them, get in touch with them anyway and just say, how can I set up payments into you? Um, they and they should give you pretty clear instructions on it. Can I get yeah. the government contribution if I'm on a KiwiSaver holiday but I put the required funds in prior to the end of June? Yes. Great. Yeah, yes. If you've contributed in previous years but not this year, if you do so now, will you get the government contribution? If you, as long as you've been a member mm. for more than, you know, you joined before last July the 1st, then, you know, you can put in nothing all year. You can Then you can put it all in... Um, now, if you want to, and you'll still get the, the maximum contrib- government contribution, yes. Can you please ask Mary if KiwiSaver is a good place to put a small legacy into for an over 65-year-old? Over 65? Well, yeah, look, I think it's pretty, it works pretty well for over 65s. As I say, it's regulated by the government more than... And, and, and there's lots of good information out there. So um, you've got to work out what risk level you want it to be. It depends when you're going to spend it. Um, read my column or my books because we're running short of time on that. Mm. But yeah, yeah, it's fine. Thanks yes. for, your, uh, for your expertise today. It's a pleasure, Jesse.